Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Ascot hosts the feature race of the weekend when they line up for the Ascot Chase at 3.35. Today we hear from champion trainer Paul Nichols, who discusses his chances of capturing this Grade 1 race. Haydog is the venue for the Grand National Trial and Wincanton stages the Kingwell Hurdle both on the same afternoon. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Saturday's jumps action with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday's race card in Hong Kong. So, Bill, we'll take our usual look at the weather. I think we should get a weather report uh, dedicated on this podcast. It's always very relevant. Seems to be this time of this year and last year as well, really relevant to the racing community. But we'll start, first of all, with some shock news, really, that Tom Scudamore has announced his retirement from the saddle with immediate effect. He's been going for 25 years, over 1,500 winners. He had seven top levels, so grade one wins in that, which just shows you, doesn't it, seven from 1,511, I think it was, how difficult it is for jockeys, even like Tom Scudamore, to ride the big winners. Yeah, it does. And, you know, he had a great career, 10 Cheltenham Festival winners, I think, in, in that time too. The seven grade one success that you touched upon, five of them were on Thistlecrack. Yeah. Um, and then you also had um, uh, Western Warhorse who who got up in the shadows of the post to break every punter in the land's hearts when he beat Champagne Fever in that Arkle and Danast when he won a Ryanair. But, you know, there were ten, ten, 10 Cheltenham victories, 1,511 career victories. Um you know, a glittering career, but he was just, um, he was an ultimate professional, great communicator, a real gentleman. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough, he, he rode a horse I was involved in one day, was delightful, and <clears throat> hosted preview panels with him on before, and he's just just such a lovely bloke. Mm. And um, look, he's he's got out in one piece. You get to a certain age where you can't consistently take these falls, and you know, he's got family, young kids and stuff. It's just time to probably hang up the saddle and do something less risky, I would have thought. But he's, um, yeah, top bloke and wish him well. Yeah, he, always top bloke for me as well. Every time I spoke to him, he was delightful. He always had time. He was never fussed and bothered. He wasn't a diva in any way. And uh, He's now 40, just come back from um, being laid off and he was stood down for a few days after a fall and he came back at uh, Leicester on Thursday and fell off again, was unseated. And uh, it's just knowing when to call, you know, the in a day and when to just pack up your cards and go, look, I come from a great family of, of racing. I'm sure there's something else you can do in the industry. And uh, it's nice to go out, you know, at the top of his game still, you know, being loved by all, all the punters. Yeah, totally, and and the and the respect to everyone and your your fellow jockeys. You know, I've 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 worked with a fair few jockeys who are around their retirements too, and a lot of them say the same thing. Your body kind of tells you when it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you mentioned then about some of the falls that he'd had, and it takes time to recover. And you know, he probably just decided, look, this is this is the right time. Um, this is the right time to bow out in one piece, and it's it's the sensible decision. We wish him well. We'll uh, try and grab him somewhere on a race course, no doubt in the future, and have a word and reflect on some of those victories, especially Thistlecrack, who was uh, a great horse for Tom Scudamore. So we wish him all the best. We're talking about the weather briefly before. So Newcastle on Thursday, 
had a whole host of non-runners. There was a three-horse race at one stage that turned into a, a match down to two, but there were horses and there were races where there were like 10, 11, 12 declared that turned up into five and six runners. The ground was described as good, good to firm in places, and trainers just didn't want to run their horses on that. I mean, there was a horse, I think I saw, it was by Dubarwi, and I'm thinking, this horse is going to love the ground because he's supposed to be running on this, but he's not he's supposed to be jumping hurdles. You know, at this time of the year, it's unprecedented to have firm in any of the goings for jumpers, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw this situation at Newbury last weekend, but they were obviously mandated to not water at the time of year, so there's nothing they could do about it. There's other tracks that have less sophisticated or high-profile watering systems. There's also the inconsistency of weather forecast. There's been bits and bobs of rain around this week um, at different places, some of which hasn't materialised. It's it's really hard. It's, it's unseasonably dry weather for the middle of February. Um, the Grand National Trial was run, I think, on heavy ground last year, and we're going to be good, good to soft this time round. It's just, mm. it's, it's, it's a strange period of time. Um, you know, looking at the tracks we're going to cover, Ascot, Ascot might have a bit of an issue tomorrow because the rain hasn't come at all. They've watered. You know, they're calling it good, good to soft. Um, it could go to good tomorrow, but they, they're desperate to hold some of these high-profile engagements notably shiskin in the big race but yeah. you know some of these trainers can have horses running the early races and when they get beat they're going to say the ground's too quick so we might have some high profile non-runners they've had some rain at um uh, uh haydock so they've been watering there and they had five mils of rain so they're good to soft which is great maybe a bit of a shower around so that that's that shouldn't be a problem but look it's yeah. just unseasonable and it's one of those things Okay, well, we'll hear from Paul Nichols on today's podcast. He's talking about Pick Dory in the Ascot chase a bit later on. Shiskin's in that race with Fakir Dudeli, who won it last year, but we hope Shiskin will run. And the question mark about the trip will be possibly answered on Saturday with him as we preview that race with Bill in a few minutes' time. We're going to cover Ascot, Haydock, and one race from Wincanton, the Kingwell is going to be previewed as well. So we'll start with Ascot and the 150, where they start, uh, well, we start with a three-mile race there, a novice chase, a grade two, just the four turning up, and they've got Bold Endeavour for Nicky Henderson. We've got uh, Kinodo Quetu, who goes for Sam England, J.J. Riley for the uh, Skeletons, actually Dan Skelton with Bridget Andrews on board, and Oscar Elite for Joe Tizan. Small fields are going to be part of our previews pretty much uh, over the next few weeks before we get to Cheltenham, I, I would have thought. But uh, this one, Bold Endeavour, Henderson, it's been winning, hasn't it? But it's been winning on Good to Soft. Although it did win Leicester on Good to Firm, so he won't be too worried about it. Yeah, it was... Um... You know, just look at the comment about the field sizes. I think they've held up pretty well this weekend, funny enough, at some of the more high-profile meetings. Um, but I think the question mark is going to be who comes out on the day. And, the, and yeah. the, you know, yeah. so the, so the declarations are one thing, actually, who lines up are different things. This is the Reynoldstown, so a famous kind of former RSA chase um, trial for the festival. Um it's four runners. It's it's relatively small. You mentioned Bold Endeavour. Uh, I was actually in Nicky Henderson's yard on Monday, uh, and this is a, one horse that they weren't worried about the drying ground for because mm. his back case of form, as you said, he's got some fast ground form. Since they've gone front running with him, he seems to be 
um, very effective. Um, it jumped a bit right-handed at Doncaster last time going left, so obviously this will suit going back right-handed. Um, will he get a soft lead? He might He might do the... The danger on paper looks to be Canodo Queto, um, who's coming down from Sam, Sam England's yard, has rattled up a remarkable sequence of five wins. He's one of these funny horses that has to be held onto to the last minute and tends to throw it away. So he's very brave. You watch a replay of his win at... Um, at uh, Aintree last time they had to bypass the <laughs> last fence and it all got very tight and squeezed through and shows a lot of bravery that meant he went up another five pounds for that to go to 137 on ratings he's still got a fair bit to find with Bold Endeavour you know the best part of eight pounds um, the market's kind of got it spot on I'd be very surprised um, if Bold Endeavour didn't make all um, prices at the moment around four to six Bold Endeavour 11 to four Canodo Queto, it's probably a straight match between the pair. No disrespect to Oscar Elite and JJ Riley. Oscar Elite's got form, but you know he kind of tends to have his fair share of problems with bleeding and definitely got ability. Um, and JJ Riley's got a little bit to find, ten pounds or so um, on the favourite. I'd expect Bold Endeavour to win, um, but might not be as easy as, as people think. Um, Canodo Queto will probably track him all the way, but I'd expect Bold Endeavour to make it all from the front. At 2.25, this race has really held up with 14 runners, another one over three miles, a handicap chase. Cap Dunor for Christian Williams is the favourite. I was looking back to see when he was favourite. It's a couple of years ago since this horse went off his favourite. He always seems to run his race, but never quite gets to the front, does he? Well, hasn't done recently. Phoenix Way goes from Harry Fry. Horse has finished uh, fourth a couple of times. Revels Hill, also for Harry Fry, has got a couple in this. Paul Nichols has got Danny Kerwin with uh, Harry Copton on board. Could be a big day for Johnny Delahaye and the family because they've got Pete Dory and they've got Sam Reeve as well later on and Danny Kerwin in this one. And last Caelan, Venetia Williams, did you not tip that horse up when it was second last time out? Or did you have the winner, Castle Robin, on that occasion? Well, if we got up first and second, that was our, that was our forecast day. <laughs> That's the one. You had the first two. Yeah, that's how, how, can, how can I forget? Yeah, it was the last one I put up. No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so how does this one look? I mean, it's 14 of them, and it's a three-miler. Yeah, Captain All deserves to be favourite. He returned form last time with his second at Doncaster. He's back to a mark of 127, which he proved was effective when he at Kempton the kind of this time last year, or well, next week in a year's time when he won the Coral Trophy, the former kind of racing post trophy. Um, so he's back to a workable mark, um, back in a bit of form. It's just a stable form thing. I mean, Christian Williams' yard just haven't fired this season. Um, you know, he was captain almost the big exception of form when he ran so well at Doncaster last time. But it would definitely worry me. Um, it would be no surprise to see him win, but he's generally kind of four to one across the boards. And you just feel that in a very competitive race, uh, he may just find one or two too good. Uh, he, yeah. It's not the most straightforward of characters and he weaves his way through and just he just needs everything to drop right. Mm-hmm. Look, he's going to be bang there. He's probably the perfect one for a play spot because he'll be in the frame whether he will find one or two too good. Remains to be seen. Uh, Phoenix Way's a horse I like. Uh, has run two good races for Harry Fry this season. Uh, came second at Ascot last season over three miles. And I'm not sure three miles is his bag. He seems to be much more effective when he dropped back in trip to 2425. Whether he quite sees out three miles is my niggle with him. He may be a year older, strengthened up. He'd, you know, he ran on fine, but he doesn't seem at his strongest late on over three miles. Um, he's also well found the mark. He's around five to one. Totally respect him. Uh, Revels Hill, another Harry Fry runner, uh, was 
woefully interfered with. Uh, Favourite for that that national London national whatever it's called at Sandown last time. Um, the London national when when quick wave won, but Revels Hill was was really badly interfered by the fall of Imrem that day, and never got back into the race. Look, he's got pieces on for the first time. I worry about him taking his chance. He was a non-runner last week when the ground went too quick. I'd imagine he might be a non-runner again this time round, but he's a staying chaser with with potential, um, to say the least, uh, off a mark of 137. But again, I'd be prepared to kind of give him a swerve. Um, the two I kind of liked at, at, at this stage was, I do like Danny Kerwin. I think he's slightly forgotten. He's seven to one. I just thought he... He has run well at Ascot in the past. He obviously won here last March over 2.5 uh, and has finished second on both his last two starts over three miles. He's another one who's who just about gets three miles. But on this ground, um, if he can settle a bit better, I just thought seven to one. I thought he was uh, he's three pounds higher than last time, but he just goes well at the track. Um, I just felt that he would go well at seven to one. Um, and the other one at 14 to one I give a chance to is number 10, Dorking Lad, Gary Moore's horse who was an expensive uh, unseat at Kempton this time last week when he unseated behind Killer Kane at the first um, but he looked so good at Kempton previously uh, when he won over two miles four and a half that he looked cry- be crying out for a try at this kind of trip um, he's off a mark of 131 it still feels like he may have quite a few pounds in hand of the handicapper Kaylin Quinn's a great kid that takes five pounds off so in essence he's running off uh, you know, a mark of one two six, and look, he's got to brush up his jumping. But uh, you know, Gary Moore's got his team in such good form. I thought he'd run really, really well. So I'm going to go with two there: Danny Kerwin at seven, Dorking Loud at fourteen, and uh, yeah, I hope they both run well. At three o'clock, Paul Nichols has got a couple in here. He was due to have a big weekend at Newbury last weekend, and, and things didn't go to plan for him. But he, he kind of took that as well. That's just one of those days the horses ran well. They just didn't win. And then the next day, we had the winner at Exeter. So they weren't out of form. And we go again this weekend, always looking forward. So at three o'clock, we look forward two miles, three and a half furlongs to a handicap hurdle and another nice field of 13. Couple for Paul in this one. He's got uh, Irish Hill, who's done nothing wrong recently. A couple of wins at Taunton and Fakenham with Harry Cobden on board. We've got Zoffany Bay from Peter Farhi now. First time with him coming over from having run in France a few times in his early career. And Jello's in there for Venetia Williams as well. On public goes for Oliver Greenall. A 50 ball for Gary Moore, who's in great form at the moment. And also a bit further down, at bigger prizes. Paul thought he might run quite well at Sam Olive, who goes in the Johnny De La Haye colours. And Freddie Ginnell taking off to £7, which Paul thought would be uh, an ideal jockey for Sam Olive in a race like this, but um, he's done nothing wrong with Irish Hill. That's, that's been in great form, Bill. Yeah, it's been, he's in, been in really good form and he was impressive last time. Uh, went right away from them at, at Fakenham and, you know, the £6 rise doesn't look overly punitive for a horse that's heading heading the right way. He'd previously been four lengths too good for it, so Fury at Taunton. Um, so, look, the form... form looks rock solid it's just whether he can define a hike in the in the weights fun enough I thought he might be he's 92 available I thought he might be a tiny bit shorter when I was looking to kind of oppose him I thought I'd be opposing him at around the kind of three seven or two mark 
but he's yeah he he can be back to nine to two. So um, I'm not going to back him myself, but I wouldn't put anyone off. Uh, I think he's very progressive uh, and is an exciting prospect. Um, the horse we must talk about is Zoffany Bay. Um, this is an extraordinary horse um, of interest here. We haven't seen him for two years, and he's making his debut for Peter Farhi, Irish raider who is so shrewd. Um, he hasn't been seen since running, but the best part two years ago or toy in a handicap where he won really well. And he is a horse of real potential and real potential against a, an Irish hurdling mark of 117. He's held entries in Ireland, but they've opted to come here off a mark of one, two, two, which is really interesting. Admittedly, it's a decent pot. This is, you know, 25 grand to the winner or 26 grand to the winner, but they've decided to not go to Ireland and come straight here with him. Now, this horse used to be with Ali Strong uh, a couple of years ago or three years ago um, when last seen on on the flat and had a hurdle mark of 121 and arrives back with the same, but in essence, the same mark of 122. Now, he's definitely improved in that time. I know he's a nine-year-old, but he's definitely improved in that time. Um, but, but makers are running scared. This is a horse that probably should be 10, 12, 14 to 1 and would probably be my selection, but they're kind of wised up to the fact that he could be anything. Now, he's one of these horses, if you look at the market now, he's sevens. This horse could be 7 to 2 or he could be 16. And he's just one where the market will tell you they're very, very shrewd. If there's loads of money for this horse near the off, I'll probably jump on the bandwagon because he looks like he could easily be stone, stone and a half, well in on, on the best of his form. And if they got him tuned up, he could be a, he could be the blot on this. So Zoffany Bay, keep an eye out for him. I'm going to take him on because I think he's plenty short enough at the prices and I'm just led by the prices at this point. Um, but he is one to definitely keep an eye out um, in the market. Stable have been a bit cold of late as well, which cools my enthusiasm for him too. But money talks, as they say. So keep an eye out for, for Zoffany Bay. I thought this was wide open. I tend to reach a bit deeper in the market. I was going to have a stab at two at double figure prices here. Um, again, I like 50 ball for Gary Moore. There's two from three at Ascot. Loves it round here. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually going for two horses that bombed out at Kempton on unraceable ground in the Lanzarote last time. Um, mm. One of them being 50 ball. You completely, completely just ignore that form. The, the ground was was monstrous. And they just were pulled up out of the back. But 50 ball is far better judged on his previous form and was actually the last time we saw him was a good winner at Ascot back in March over this kind of staying trip um, off a mark of 127. Um, it's only a pound higher now. Um, probably likes a bit of cut in the ground. So if it is watered on, on, on the good side of the softer side of good, um, that should be perfect for him. Stable in great form. Uh, 50 ball has to be on the playlist, as they say, as does Petit Tonnerre of John Joe O'Neill's, who was another one who got completely stuck in the mud at Kempton. Better judged on a good run but at Newbury behind Red Risk, who we've seen came out and ran really well. Next time again um, uh, for Paul Nichols um, in, in that Lanzarote, he was only beaten a short, short head. So we know the form is, is decent. And Petit Tonnerre off a mark of 141. Um, can definitely be competitive in this race and it's 12 to 1 so I thought 50 ball at 10 and Petit Tonnier at 12 they would be the two I'd go to war with Great stuff looks like an interesting one can't wait to see what happens to that Peter Farheels because the, the, the Emmett Mullins horse last week nearly won didn't it and he was backed off the boards and got run out of it and in, uh, into second place having led for a brief while in the running at Newbury so uh, 
but make us seem to be scared of the Irish invaders at the moment. We've got one coming up in the big race as well. The feature race this weekend is the Betfair Ascot Chase. It's a grade one, of course, over two miles and five furlongs. And Ascot at 3.35 and six runners go to post for this. Last year's winner, Fakir Dudeli, is in there for Joseph O'Brien. Shiskin's in there for Nicky Henderson, stepping up in trip for the first time from two miles. And we heard from Paul Nichols earlier on in the week in a GBR uh, interview. They had a media day and we had a little chat with Paul about Pick Dory, who goes here once again in the Johnny Delahaye colours. And I'm surprised I get Bill's thoughts on his current price because he's around about 11 to 4, 3 to 1. I thought it'd be bigger than that up against the, those two in the field in particular. But we, before we get Bill's views on Pick Dory and the rest. Let's hear from Paul Nichols, who started talking about his horse and the different kind of wind operations he'd had over the past couple of years. He'd had a, a full soft pallet hob day about two years ago. All he had in the summer was a, a pallet quartery, which often you do, you know, if you've done a soft pallet hob day in the very beginning, every second year it pays to just re-quarterise the pallet. So it, it was only a minor procedure, obviously helped him a little bit. But the biggest thing with him, he's a big horse. He's just matured at last and... um twice as he was over last season as a model and he's just he's just very big and well and strong and keeps improving he wasn't really jumping that well the first season he had a couple of falls and then so he was a novice for the second season i mean last year he was if you can remember at newbury the uh the labyrinth meeting it was then he was going to absolutely bolt in in the grade two novice chase and took a fairly heavy fall at the first in the straight and i think that shook him a bit and woke him up and he's been very careful and good after that and this season his jumping has been fantastic he was a Betfair hurdle winner back along, so he's always had plenty of ability. But he's a little bit like Brave Man's Game, and it massive horses that he just take all this time to get reach full maturity, and they take all the we got, you know, we do. And you can actually get them probably not better, but stronger and fitter as they get like that. So, you know, he's probably the finished article now, and hopefully he'll keep improving. He's much better horse on good ground, which is I see Ascot's now gone good, good to soft in places. So I assume. Nicky had been on the phone all week asking for them to do the watering. So there's been plenty of water going on. But that's probably everybody be happy with that good, good to stop the basis. We don't want to see it too fast. It's it's ideal for him, really. And, yeah, we're looking forward to the challenge. It's, it's, it's probably the biggest race of his career, but he's up for it. Shiskin, there's questions about him, isn't he? He hasn't been informed his last two runs. Obviously, Chapman, we had a problem. And he, he must have been disappointed with him at, um, in the Tingle Creek. Um but they've, I think, they've tinkered with his wind since, haven't they? I think I read that that obviously helps if that was a problem. And they'd be very hopeful of a good run. And he, he probably, in my opinion, watching him, I think two, two and a half is going to suit him better than probably two nowadays. And that's what Nick is thinking as well. So if he's in, if he's in form, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll go well. But he's got questions to answer. Back of the dairy, obviously, good horse won the race last year. You could say he was lucky to win the other day. Um, had a hard enough race, but he won. I, I think it's quite an open race. I think uh, those are, appear to be the three horses. Uh, Miller's Bank, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually you know, ran a good, solid race. He was staying on strong at Huntingdon. Um, he likes that better ground, I think. But, um, yeah, it's a good-looking race. You know, if we're going to compete in a Ryanair and a grade one entry, we need to be riding there with a the mix. I, I, I've got a feeling Victoria will go very well tomorrow. Yeah. The ground's right for him. He's in good shape. That's what you want. Well, I, I just look at Fakadadera's from the form over here. He... He ran in. He won the Grade One entry last year and beat Hitman. You know that gives me a bit of a lead with Pick Dory. But you know everything's got to go right. These Grade One races are hard to win. But I, you know, our fella couldn't be going into it 
in better form, having won three from three. Peter Chase and the seven could Chase. That's the right profile you want. You just got to take that form now to grade one level. The fact that you got Fakir Duderi in the race again, who won last year, and and Shiskin, who we don't know if he's going to stay. Do you not think the pick Dory's the way he jumps? how fluent he is and he's able to make it from the front, you can really dictate the race on Saturday and, and you know, maybe have a bit of a, an advantage in that in that direction. The way he won last time out at Kempton was, was very impressive in the grade two, wasn't it? Yeah, he loves bowling along. When someone wants to go faster than, than him, it's not a problem, you know. He just loves bowling along in front. Obviously, it's an advantage if you jump well and you're, you're in the driving seat. Um They've got to come past you, haven't they? So, yeah, I think it's a really thrilling race tomorrow, competitive. Looking forward to it. Right, Paul Nichols, champion trainer, has got picked Dorley in the, the big one coming up, the, the Ascot Chase on Saturday afternoon. Uh, before we talk about Fakir Dudali, I remember speaking to Joseph O'Brien last year, and I said to him, look, if you run in a, a race without Alaho, you'll probably win. Just keep avoiding Alaho. Uh, and now... He's avoided Alaho, and he came and won last year. I remember backing him last year. I can't believe it's a year ago. Time absolutely flying. He's got everything in his favour, I guess. Shiskin, we don't know. He's had the wind up. He's got the, the longer trip to encounter. But Pick Dory, uh, Paul seems quite confident that he'd run a big race. He's surprised he's only 11-4, to 4, sort of 3-1-ish. to one -ish. It's a really trappy little contest because you've got the rock-solid Fakir Uderi, who... We were sweet on 12 months ago. We put him up like, 12 months ago, really fancied him, and he won. Mm, mm. Um, he seems, he probably didn't get the credit he deserved. He went one at Aintree as well. He he just seems this nearly man horse because he was chasing Alaho around the whole time. So he's got this kind of um, feel of a grade two horse. When he's not, he's a proper grade one horse, but he's just got this kind of reputation of of, of not being a top notcher. And he's, he's always vulnerable when he meets real top notchers. Uh, as he showed last time, it was a funny run last time because he was never going to win that race, was he at all? I mean, I, I watched it. Now. The scoreboard will tell you he beat French Dynamite six lengths, but when you watch yeah. the replay, uh, Auton Calor wasn't stopping, and yeah. you know that was that was just a, probably a tiny bit below par run. But Fakidudori tends to come good at this time of year onwards, and it's from now on in that he kind of peaks and then obviously goes towards entry. So he's the rock solid one. Then you've got. You know, he's rated 164. Pictori's rated 162. Then you've got the proper classy, nearly 180 horse of Shiskin on his heyday, mm. who's in there as the class element, who's lost his way. We'll talk about him again in a second. Then you've got Pictori, who's this new kind of kid on the block who's rattling up a sequence on good ground, two mile four, two mile five, stepping up properly from grade two into grade one company. So it's interesting. Shiskin is a horse who has just disappointed in two runs. He's disappointed. He had a bone problem. Then he's had a wind problem. His jumping kind of gone to pieces. He wasn't himself at Cheltenham. Definitely wasn't himself in the Tingle Creek last time. And uh, Henderson's on, on Monday, Nicky was kind of talking to everyone about how he was keen to have the setup of a race where he could do it all on the bridle rather than being off the bridle. And since that, that kind of anergamine clash at Ascot uh, in the Clarence House last season where he was off the bridle the whole time and worked really hard. It kind of left its mark. So he wanted to run him in a race mm -hmm. like the Ascot chase here where he could do it all a little bit easily and then point and shoot and play and use his speed and quicken up uh, late on in a race. Uh, I totally understand that. 
but I don't know if Shishkin is that same horse. I know he's only nine, but I don't know if he's that same horse. I don't know if he'll jump with fluency. I don't know whether he'll travel with fluency. And that has to be a major worry. So look, he's he's five to two. He could easily go off favourite if they come for him. Uh, but it wouldn't be for me. Um, I also think there's a chance he might not run if the ground rides quick anyway. They might pull him out. Um, but he could easily end up going to the Ryanair and be favourite for the Ryanair if he performs well here. Um, Fakir Duduri is the solid one, as I said. He'll run his race, but he's not bomb-proof, and he's pretty short, 13 to 8, 7 to 4. Um, I know we've heard from Paul Nichols, but I, I do like Pictory. He would be the one of the three if I had to have a bet in the race. I agree with you. The price, he should drift a bit. Uh, 11 or 4 seems a bit skinny. He should. He feels the outsider of the three, but he feels the one I'd be most inclined to be with. I thought he was really good at Huntingdon and just travelled with Zest at Kempton in the style of a horse that should be really suited to Ascot. Mm. Um, you know, we know his running style of of going forward and jumping for fun um he won here um he won the, the, that howden novices chase here back in in december of 21 um and, and was just good straight and jumped well traveled well um he's just up in class but he's classy he's been brilliantly trained for the race he's heading the right direction he can kind of go here and then head to aintree um i just got a feeling that he's the one and look 11 or 4 if they all line up Three to one, yeah, he 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 do for me. I I think he's got a little bit less to prove than the others. I think he's on the upgrade, and he would be the one for me. They're going to go a decent clip here because I right doesn't know any other way of running. Probably you know not quite good enough to win. I right, but you know he's, he's determined and goes from the front. And 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 Paul sort of said if they go a good clip, pick Dory doesn't have to lead. We can sit in uh, you know in second or third and, and then pick it up later on. But they won't be messing around here for Shiskin, will they? Yeah, that's the key point. And I don't think that necessarily helps Shiskin. Mm. Um they're not gonna lollop their way around and it's gonna be you know, and it doesn't really necessarily help pick Dory being taken. I think a soft lead would have been perfect for him. But they'll go go pretty hard and you know, you just have to go back and watch replays of this race the Ascot chase in the past and they end up going quick and particularly on good ground they go decent pet clip and and you have to get into a rhythm and as soon as you get out of a rhythm you're on the back foot and that's the niggling worry with Shiskin it's a braver man than I that takes 9-4 to four, Shiskin yeah. um, look he could dot up halfway around the first circuit you think wow I wish I was on him this is the best bet ever but be interesting to see the, the exchange <laughs> markets as, as they go through the race here <laughs> to see what Chiskin we have after three or four fences. But if he settles into a rhythm, he'll he'll, he'll be short. But no, pick Dory for me. He, he, he'd be the one. And, and finally, just to pick your brains on this, if you owned Fakir Dudari, would you be tempted to go to the, the Ryanair at Cheltenham or would you wait for Aintree where he's won in the past and maybe the, the track suits him better? Yeah, well, there's there's this great myth that the fact that Fakir Dudari doesn't doesn't handle Cheltenham. I mean, he, he was without Ryanair in the in without sorry without Alaho in the Ryanair um, two years ago. He'd have won it because he was mm. second. Mm. Yeah, the rest of them are strung out. Um, you know, he's he's fine. He's just more effective on on a, on, a, on a flat track. Yeah. Um, I suppose it depends. The answer would be what they does. If he wins this easily, then it'd be crazy not to go to the Ryanair because mm. you know. Um, I'd imagine if he wins and Shiskin bombs out, uh, you're then in a situation where Hoton Kalor will be supplemented and they'd be pretty silly to not to have a go. 
um, at the Ryanair, and I imagine they'll go. And JP's pretty sporting, and he'd probably love to win that race. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that develops on Saturday afternoon. Uh, small field, but very, very interesting indeed. Let's have a look at a couple at Haydock then on Saturday, where it is, as you say, a bit softer. They're good to soft. They're expecting at the moment for Haydock. 2.05, three miles half a furlong. Uh, for the Rendlesham hurdle, it's a grade two with seven runners due to go. And we've got to Green Book, who came and surprised a few people uh, on the 4th of February, not that long ago, when winning at Sandown for Charlie Deutsch and Venetia Williams. And Rivers got a wind operation to help him run in this race, is trained by Nick Kent, and uh, just keeps finishing second and third, although did win a couple of times back in... Uh, well, this sort of time last year, didn't he? Won at Doncaster and Weatherby, January and February last year. Ashtown lad goes for Dan Skelton, a horse that won a couple of starts ago. Itchy Feet is uh, going in this way as well. And it's always nice to see Itchy Feet doing so well. And um, He won last time, didn't he, at Huntingdon. Um, came out and won a handicap hurdle there not that long ago. Wakul's in the race as well. Elvis Mail comes down from Scotland. And Inish or is in there for another Scottish trainer, Lucinda Russell. How did you see this uh, 205, Bill? Yeah, Trappy, only, only the seven runners. Um, you touched on Green Book. Uh, he, he sets the bar pretty high. I mean, I do remember 12 months ago, uh, Green Book doing, doing exactly what he did this time around at, at Sandown and then going to Haydock for his meeting on heavy ground and bombing out in the Albert Bartlett trial, beating 100 lengths by Hillcrest. Um, that's a niggle and that probably be a little niggle in the back of the mind of those supporters of 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 Green Book. But yeah, he won well uh, at Sandown Peak Call Me Lord uh, off a of mark of one three four. He's five pounds higher here. Deserves his his place in the lineup. Wouldn't be for me just at the prices. Um Erm Rivers a horse I like. I was on him last time when he kind of travelled well through the race and then just just got reeled in in the shadows of the post by Silver Flyer. They've done his win since so whether Charlie Hammond got off and said he made a noise or whatever it may be, but that's like to eke out a bit of improvement. But he's just become one of these horses that finds it hard to win. That you 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 kind of indicated that before. That's a niggling concern with with him. On ratings, Itchy Feet comes out the best of these. You know he's rated one four three, um, and you know him and Erm Rever kind of you know at the weights probably are, are the ones to beat. He bounced back to form. Uh, former Andrew Brooks owned own horse. He bounced back over hurdles at Huntington last time, stayed well and was in front and you know, kind of ground his way to victory. You know, they've they've done well with him, um, Ollie Murphy Yard, because they've they've stepped him up in trip. I think previously he he was kind of thought of as a bit of a kind of two and a half miler, but he's he's done well. And, you know, don't forget he was a very classy hurdler in his day, it's your feet. If you go back through his his kind of back catalogue I think um, you know people forget that he was third in a supreme um, behind Classical Dream. Um, had a certain Fakir Dudari back in fourth that day. <laughs> um, so you know he we, we know how good um, he is on his day, and um, <clears throat> you know he he's he's a he's a lively contender. But I would go for Ashdown Lad um, of Dan Skelton's. I think at four to one, he's the, the most rock solid. He's been really good this campaign. Um, began with a kind of third to remastered in that in the. Uh, Aintree per tenth qualifier and then was really good winner over the national fences in the Beecher Chase um, over three and a bit miles on good to soft ground and then it was a funny race behind um, Chai Longston's glimpse of Gala um, 
at Warwick last time. I, I, I would tip Glimpse of Gala that day and felt the whole way up the run in the Ashdown Lab was just going to go past. But the ground was really bad at Warwick that day and he just he just didn't go past. Um, wasn't fluent two out and it was just quite hard to pick up. I, I think if um, Harry had his time again, he might have just gone on and uh, not sat and waited. Uh, wasn't able to give the £10. Conditions of this race, I think, will play to his strengths. I think he'll just travel well into the race. And yeah, a four to one, I thought he was just the most solid of these seven. And then at 240, Haydar, we'll look at another race there. It's the, uh, the Grand National Trial. It's a handicap chase with 15, three and a half miles, plus an extra half a furlong as well. And those 97 yards could be vital on Saturday. Venetia's got a couple here. She'll be looking for some rain around, maybe just to soften that ground a bit more for Fontaine Cologne. She's going to be one of those at the top of the market. Won a couple of times at Lingfield, and it won at Haydock as well back in November. Finished fourth behind Remastered at Kempton over Christmas. We haven't seen Fontaine Cologne since then. Surely not the ground for Bristol Demai, who goes here for Daryl Jacob, Nigel Twist and Davis in the double green colours, and not going to get his ground on Saturday, you would have thought. Small present comes down from Sue Smith Yard. We got Quick Wave, the other Venetia horse, who was uh, pulled up at Chepstow over Christmas in the Welsh Grand National. But uh, quite a lot of horses were pulled up in that previously. And I think one of four to one favourite had won a couple of races at Ludlow and Sandown. Not a chance is in there for Alan King and uh, the two amigos goes for Nicky Martin, etc. This uh, a, tr- a trial for the National. I don't even want to talk about how many horses are in the National this year because it ain't that many, is it? Yeah, we won't go there. We definitely no, won't go there. No, not going there. Uh, we can do a whole separate podcast on that. Um, yeah, good good race. Very different conditions from 12 months ago uh, where we are very sweet on Bristol Damati 12 months ago and he kind of broke my heart because he got beaten by the Galloping Bear. And what adds insult to injury is that the Galloping Bear has since been disqualified from the race, which is so annoying because um, mm. for, for a banned substance. So... Bristol Domain did win, but you don't get paid out. Can't go rummaging through the bins looking for those slips. So uh, different ground this time round, 12 months on, and let you run this usual solid race. But I've just got a feeling the ground will be a little bit too lively for Bristol Domain yeah. at the grand old age of 12. Uh, quick wave, you mentioned. Disappointed a bit in the Welsh National, but you can always forgive um, a horse, you know, one bad run, particularly at Chepstow. And it's probably much better judged on a really impressive win at Sandown, that was off 140. Life just a bit tougher off 148. Uh, definitely of interest. Uh, Fontaine Colonge, the stable mate, will be favourite, be very consistent. But another one who probably wants the softer ground. I mean, it's, it's good to soft. It's not it's not rattling fast ground, but it's definitely not that heavy, heavy stuff. Uh, it's a wide open race. You can make a case out for so many. I was going to have two bites at the cherry here. Um, and, and to be honest, Horses right at the foot of the weights. So I was I was interested in. I just felt that there were some younger up and coming ones right at the foot of the weights who are getting chunks of weight, nearly two stone from the likes of Bristol and I. Um, the first one was small present, Sue Smith's horse uh, with Ross Chapman in the saddle. Stayed really well as a hurdler. Um, won a race back in April a couple of years ago um, uh, where I was on him on good ground. Um, it was uh, one of those um, Challenger Stayer Series handicaps. Uh, one off a mark of one, two, mark nine, beat Colonial Dreams, 
of the Henderson team, but just stays really well, these kind of extreme distances. Um, you have to just go through the catalogue of, of some of his form um, to see that, you know, the, the further they go, the better he is. Um, he was third to bangers and cash at Market Raisin on Boxing Day. Uh, in the Lincolnshire National, that was over this kind of three-mile, three-and-a-half trip on decent enough ground. Um, look, just just kept on plugging on off 125. Um, hasn't gone up that much. It's only three pounds higher off 128, so has just 10 stone two in the saddle. Sue Smith round Haydock is always a route I tend to go down, an eight to one each way. I thought small present would just run really well with all that weight. Um in receipt of all the all the weight from the from the from the flashier types at the top. And the other one was Tim Pat, who's got pieces on for the first time for Donald McCain and Brian Hughes. He's sixteen to one uh with bet three six five. Now Tim Pat is a horse who goes well on good ground, uh has <laughs> finished second uh last time out at Doncaster behind Taste the Fear uh over three miles off a mark of one two two is three pounds higher but just the back catalogue. There was a run here last March um, before he had his wind surgery when he won um, uh, Handicap Chase off a mark of admittedly 119, but over this trip, three mile, four and a half on decent ground. And it just felt that this horse was crying out for a step up in trip this season. And I'm just wondering whether this has been the plan for some time. And off 125, I thought it was a very, very lenient mark um, uh, last time and only gone up the three pounds to 128. And pieces on for the first time uh, for the Hughes McCain team. You know, I thought those two, 16 and eight, those were the, that was the route I go down. Great stuff. One more race to look forward to. We're off to Wing Canton for their feature race on Saturday, the Grade Two Kingwell Hurdle at 3.12. Just shy of two miles, one mile seven furlongs, and 50 yards for this one. And just the quartet are going to turn up hopefully on the day to uh, have a go and try and win it. First straight, we seem to like him for Nicky Henderson yard in the Bamford Colours one at Newbury over the extended two miles there in the handicap hurdle, the Jerry Field. And that was uh, in November. Nappers Hill goes for Paul Nichols at his local race course. Another one that's won a couple of times. He actually won four in a row, didn't he? One at Newton Abbott, Sandown, Chepstow and at Wing Canton before finishing fourth beaten 14 lengths behind Marie's Rock at Cheltenham last time out. I like to move it in there for the Twist and Davis Yard, Nigel and Sam combining, and Global Citizen for the uh, very much informed Ben Pauling team, but it's got a little bit of work to do to win this, although with four runners, you just never know how the race is going to develop. How do you see this? A bit disappointing, only four in the Kingwell, though. Yeah, only the four, and yeah, I, I do like First Street here. I think he's, you know, six to four, each to two, six to four him, six to four Nappers Hill. The shape of the race is that Nappers Hill has to carry the penalty. So uh, he has to give two pounds to First Street. Uh, First Street just didn't stay last time. They tried him over two and a half. They were just trying something different with him uh, in the rail keel on New Year's Day. And it just wasn't his trip. He kind of traveled well enough into the race, but didn't quite get home. Um, back at on decent ground. He was really good at Newbury previously um, at the Laverick Trophy meeting. And that was off a mark of 146. So proving himself a 150 plus horse um, in good form. Henderson team happy with him. You know, don't forget, you know, he he was second beating a length and a half behind State Man 
in in the county hurdle last year, um, giving him a pound. Th- that is rock solid form. It's it's champion hurdle form. When you look at what Stateman, I'm not saying he's improved to the extent that Stateman has, but he's not far off him on the form book, and he could be a lively outsider for the champion hurdle. I think he'll be far too good for these. And I don't normally like short ones, but six to four for me, I'd be disappointed if he gets beaten. I think he's a bet at six to four. Um, Napa's Hill's very effective on fast ground, been good around Wincanton, but beat an old Shoe Royale. And I like to move it or probably be ridden more aggressively this time from the front. But, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a good horse on his, on his day, but I just think first street's got that bit of class and he'd get the vote for me. It's our usual time to look ahead to Sunday's racing. We go to Hong Kong for that, to Sha Tin Racecourse with our Hong Kong racing expert, Wally Pyra. We've got a usual 10 race card, and Wally, it's nice and early again. It's a five o'clock start for what looks like we've got a couple of Class 2 handicaps to look forward to a little bit later in the morning for us. Yeah, it's, it's what I would call a probable informative race day. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards horses that are likely to improve in the second half of the season and worth keeping an eye on. Obviously, of course, you have the standard competitive handicaps, which you've just mentioned on show. You've got the fiendish, and I say this, I love this thing, a fiendishly difficult six at uh, six o'clock, the seven furlong handicap, which includes, we all know them, the frustrating but talented beauty, joy, You've got the seven furlong specialists like Blaze Warrior, who's won three times over the track and trip. Healthy, happy, that runs in group races but never gets his head in front. The Golden Scenery, Beluga, they're all the same horses. But there is what I would call the question mark horse, Cordyceps 6 from the Richard Gibson's yard. Now, he stepped up to a mile last night. He always runs over five furlongs, six furlongs. He stepped up to a mile last time. He was the top-rated horse in the Hong Kong mile, um, but he didn't look like he was likely to stay. But he ran exceptionally well. He finished fourth, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. He now drops down to seven furlongs. This could be his optimum distance, so he's the interesting horse to watch in the race. Probably the safest scenario would probably to be looking at the golden scenery and beluga, mm-hmm. but definitely Cordyceps 6 is keeping an eye on. Now, we've got another difficult handicap on paper, which is the 805. It's another Class 2 handicap. It's over five ferns, nine runners. And this is why it's so difficult, because it consists of many contenders stepping down in distance. Again, the names we all know, I'm a single man, winning dreamer, winning method. Now, they're horses that are probably best over seven seven furlongs, and they drop drop down to five furlongs. But they're up against these speed specialists like Wizkid, who's taken a bit of a dislike into Shartin. Pinghai Galaxy, the grey horse, and a first-up seasonal starter, Carroll Street, who looked very good in a recent trial. Um, has come back from a, an injury, four or five months injury, 
comes back for his first race, but he looked good in a trial. Probably the safest option is to go with the recent track and trip with a ping eye Galaxy from the size and Purton combination. Although I got to give a chance here to Trillium Win, who is a course and distance winner. He's, no, he's known for racing over further, but he's got a first-rate chance of his present handicap mark. But again, as I'm saying, it's difficult. Then we go from one extreme to the other, from the sprinters to the £300,000 Class 2 TVB Cup handicap over 10 mm -hmm. furlongs at 8.35. Now, this includes the top weight running glory, who was runner-up to Senor Tober in a Group 3 last time. And it's worth keeping an eye on. When I say Senor Tober, Senor Tober springs to mind because... He runs um, tomorrow, tomorrow, Saturday, in a £2 million contest in Qatar. So mm. it'll be interesting to see. It's got Harry Bentley's got, gone over to ride him. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on tomorrow. Anyway, going back to the race at Chartin on Sunday, against um, Running Glory is Rise Brethren, nearly fine, an up-and-coming four-year-old Dromberg banner who's bound to enjoy stepping up and distance and the old campaign of Butterfield. Um, they've all got chances, but I still think it's worth taking a chance with up-and-coming uh, performer 5G Patch, who had been so unlucky all this season. Three races where he had desperate runs, jockeys have been called into the stewards' room, he finally got it right with Hugh Bowman last time over the track and trip. He now steps up in class, but remembering what Tony Cruz believes that this horse will be a, 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 a potential group performer over middle and long distances, he could be worth taking a chance with off his present weight. Now, those, those were the competitive handicaps to look at. Let's have a look at the of the second half of the season for horses that are worth keeping an eye on and maybe worth following. Um, you've got at the 6.30, a five-furlong dash, you've got a horse called Inno Construction from uh, with Purton uh, riding, was second over the straight furl uh, five furlongs last month. He's up against a consistent, speedy campaign of flying high but it'll be disappointing if Inno Construction didn't, doesn't win. Mm -hmm. Another uh, performer that Purton gets on is the last start winner, Prince of Porty, who didn't look like he was going to win first up. It was only on the line that he did. He's certainly going to um, appreciate stepping up to six furlongs. He races in the seven fur, uh, 735, but up against him, is what could be a useful newcomer called Green and White. Got a bit of a wide draw, but he's definitely a horse to keep an eye on. And improving, and we go again, module construction. I don't know where these inno construction, module construction names <laughs> come from, but there you go. Yeah. But Prince of Porty will probably be a short price favourite, but keep an eye on Green and White and module construction. And then later, which is, gets round to the, the better times when we get up on a Sunday morning with a slice of toast and a cup of tea, we could probably watch the 9.10 uh, 
which is a six furlong handicap. And this, I would suggest, is a really good contest. It's a mouth-watering uh, clash between the hat-trick-seeking uh, Supreme Lucky from Danny uh, uh, Danny Shum's all-conquering stable. I mean, Shum can't stop training winners at, um, at present. I think he's at, already had seven winners from the yard um, this month. And he's racing against the once-raced Magniac, which I mentioned when he ran first up. I was I was looking forward to his first run. Well, he ran exceptionally well. He finished third. It was an impressive debut. But I've got to say, both these horses have got wide draws, and that would worry me. I think that Supreme Lucky's look set for a pretty tough journey. And Magniac, who will probably bounce out of the uh, stalls quick and lead, but how much energy he uses to get to the near the front who knows i think it might just be worth taking a chance with a uh, with a, a talented but sometimes frustrating horse called youthful deal who finished second to beauty eternal and we all saw what beauty eternal subsequently did last week now and now the favorite for the hong kong derby anyway he was second to Beauty Eternal over six furlongs. Magnet was just behind, but you would expect Magnet to improve enormously. So, to me, it might be the value, the each-way play, because I think these two horses will be backed, Supreme Lucky and Magnet. They'll be pretty yeah. close in the betting. Um, might be the value. However, keep an eye, at, and there's a horse that all our UK listeners will know, is Wings of War who makes his debut. Remember him? He's the Clive Cox uh, galloper that won the Mill Reef Stakes as a two-year-old, ran well in a Commonwealth Cup last year. He's obviously bought for a big sum of money, and yeah. he makes his debut run. He look, He's looked quite good in trials, but probably will need this race against the more experienced opposition. But all in all, not a bad card. Um, fingers crossed that everybody enjoys it. Well, you, you know, we speak every week about the same horses running again and the names keep cropping up. But isn't it nice to get some fresh blood in there, new horses coming through? You've mentioned two or three today that we can look forward to and, and you know, and they can mix in with the, with the old guard. You've got the Clive Cox horse coming in as well. You know, Hong Kong always seems to keep refreshing the, the, the stock that they've got to, to make it interesting for the for everyone, the punters as well. Well, it's funny you should say that because only remember there's only 1,200 horses, round about 1,200 horses competing in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So, and they have to keep trying and chopping and changing. Um, horses have been bought from Australia, New Zealand, and obviously from uh, Europe. Yes, it is, and it's always quite an exciting. Uh, it's always quite exciting to see a horse first up, win with his head in his chest, sprinting clear. And we yeah. have got, we have got in Hong Kong a number of these horses this year. So hopefully, as I say, it's uh, what is it now? I think there's 88 meetings in a season. I think we've now gone to 45. I think this is the 46th meeting, I believe. I may be wrong, one out or something. Yeah. But it's 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 something that we've got look for to look forward to. And in the next, in, 
the, the next couple of months. We've got the Hong Kong Derby next month. We've got in April, we've got Champions Day when the creme de la creme of horses from Hong Kong are competing against horses from abroad again. So there is plenty to look forward to in, in, in Hong Kong in the next few months. Thanks, Wally. Well, that's all for today. Thanks to Bill Esdell for his preview. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing action in the UK and Hong Kong. So please make sure that you join us then. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips from both Wally Pyra and Bill Esdale. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. <laughs>